Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. So today we will be talking about feelings, thoughts, ideas, beliefs of worthiness, and the stories we tell about those things. Right? (laughs) Yes, we are talking about worthiness and the stories we tell ourselves. Because how in the world do we ever get the idea that we are not worthy? I mean, I think there's a part of me that thinks that it is a culmination of many things that start building that idea. But, I mean, obviously. And, like, when does that start for people? It almost, honestly, it makes me want to pull up the ages and stages thing that Jenna just shared and start going through it, looking at it. But yeah. When I think about where it starts, it reminds me of how we are so impacted by the generations that have come before us, and especially like as a woman, and how there have been multiple stories like that have been unspoken that have demonstrated to not believe in my worthiness. Yeah, I mean, for most of history, you've been property. Oh, man. That's a tough one to swallow. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's true. I know. And there are countries and cultures that still abide by that. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying, like, boo to them. Like, that is totally their thing. I honor that. I would say that for those who have been marginalized throughout history have a lot of generational trauma, a lot of generational baggage that Mm -hmm. they're carrying and finding your worthiness through that. I can't imagine how difficult that would be. I mean, being a gay man, like I, I get some of it. I'm also a white man and relatively cisgendered being even a gay femme man or trans or a person of color or, and then you start mixing those things and you've got layer upon layer of trauma that's coming or even women. Right. And how do you begin seeing yourself differently when the stories and narratives that have been going around are that you aren't worthy in some Mm -hmm. capacity or you can only find worth in one way right or in or in particular ways it's a definitely a narrowing of how you are supposed to find worth or how you should find worth and i think what you shared about like those layers that come on top of that and how those things cross i believe like isn't there a term intersectionality yeah Josh, can you talk a little bit about that? So intersectionality 
is essentially the interconnected nature of like social characterizations like race, class, gender, and how they all apply to an individual or a group regarded as creating like an overlap and interdependent system of discrimination and disadvantage. Hmm. So all of these things, like especially like a person of color who is also a trans woman who, I don't know, like that in and of itself seems to be a, a pretty big trigger point right now. So yeah, like the intersectionality of her race and her gender and all of those things the more that is there the more that the discrimination and disadvantage are kind of compounded Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yes it does because i think that lack of understanding and who a person is it promotes for other people to be fearful or not seek understanding and then they want to place rules or shoulds or like enforcement on who they should be. And that's where I see stories of fear come out within minority groups or even in generational stories and how all of that impacts someone's belief in their own worthiness. Right. I want to put a pin right there and I want to make a really quick disclaimer that I am not trying in any ways to be a voice to a community or for a community that has a voice of their own. I'm just using an example that I that's top of my head because of social media right now. So I am not trying to be disrespectful by trying to speak for a group of people that I am not a part of. Sure. But yes, I do agree that the fear that, I mean, on both sides of it, really, the fear of who and what something is. So therefore, we kind of begin building a prejudice towards it. And then Mm -hmm. the fear on the other side of it, like quite literally, sometimes fearing for their lives, how those fears can participate and play a major role in how someone feels worthy or not. Yeah. And Josh, we've talked about stories, like how they help us to understand why when we are trying to understand or make meaning from an experience or an event. And all of these different things, whether it be generations, whether it be historical events, whether it be policies, whether it be definition of rights, whether it be how communities come together or polarize themselves, all of these are experiences or events in which people have tried to make meaning. And so you you come up with a story in order to make sense of it. And like if I were to go back to the where we began with like the story of worthiness, I think it's fair to say at some point or another, whether it be myself or the people I surround myself with or people I work with, at one point or another, there's a question of, am I worthy? Or just a statement like, I am not worthy. 
or actions that demonstrate worthiness. And that's why I think it's so significant to talk about wherever you're at in your journey. Yeah. I think both sides of the aisle, both sides of a topic, there is very much a constant question of worthiness in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like my mind is, go- is still on, my in- in- on the intersectionality conversation and looking at like the oppressor, looking at like, well, their fears really coming from like, they don't really feel worthy. So why would they allow anyone else to feel worthy? Because you know what I mean? So like my brain is just continuing down that rabbit hole and I'm trying to pull myself out of it so we can move on. Because I do want to have this conversation with someone who is actually from some of these groups so that eventually, Absolutely. so that like, it's not a white man trying to have this conversation for these people. But I do or think, or a white woman. Right. I mean, like, yeah, I do not claim to have enough knowledge or expertise or awareness. But yeah, I would agree right now where worthiness has really been a big question. Worthy of forgiveness, worthy of moving on, worthy of letting go, worthy of being happy, worthy of the career, worthy of anything everything right i mean i've been doing my own personal work and during my supervision and stuff with you and like a lot of it right now is really around that topic of worthiness Mm -hmm. and as you know i do my own work too yeah (laughs) (laughs) around fertility or around growing our family yeah and what that looks like i do think that like the stories that I've told myself throughout my life or have been told or the experiences or events that I've witnessed that have in some way been turned into a story so that I could understand or make meaning or in some way feel safe or connected to something has formed that story into in some ways a belief I mean because that's really what we're talking about is the belief right I mean that's what our stories are that in some way I'm not worthy because of all these things that have happened Josh if you were to pick a small thing to give an example about what would you say like how that how it starts and how it translates into the belief like, the, honestly, the first thought is coming to mind is when I was younger, I was at my grandmother's and my mom chose to leave and go with her girlfriend at the time. And it was a pretty tumultuous time in my childhood. But in that moment, I mean, that was not the first time that this type of thing happened and it wasn't always my mom and it wasn't I mean so like various people in my life kind of I felt in some way abandoned me mm-hmm. and I mean I've talked to my mom about this a number of times and like we're real we're good now mm-hmm. but it is one of those things where as a kid I began believing for myself that that must mean that something is wrong with me because 
they're picking people over me. Um, so I must not be important. I must not be worthy. So therefore, if I'm not worthy, then what does that really mean for me? That means that I am not really worthy of having someone care about me. I'm not really worthy of being in a relationship that's safe or where someone is willing to choose me because I've never had anyone really choose me before. And I mean, I've had to do my work to get to a place to where someone does choose me. Yeah. And I mean, and that kind of continues like, so, I mean, and that's also playing out and right now in the, some of the stuff that I'm working on, like, am I worthy of being successful? Am I worthy of truly being a therapist at times, like, mm-hmm. and having a practice? So I would love to say that it's only one, this belief only affects one area of our life. But I know, un- right? <laughs> unfortunately, however, like it intersects at every spot where we seem to engage. Yeah, that pathway extends into other things. Yeah. Like literally, the neuro pathway extends throughout our entire system. Yeah. And so for me, like that is one area of how the various things that I've experienced have led to multiple beliefs of not being worthy. I'll kind of give a different example. Whereas a young girl, I was told that I was worthy of a family, that I was supposed to have a family, that like I would grow up and get married and have children. It was just kind of like that story was written for me. And I think that story had been written for years, centuries within generations. Because as you pointed out, a long time ago within the generations of my family or historically, I was sold this property. And so why would it not make sense for me to play that role and get married and have children and continue procreating? And I think the unworthiness or the grievance of being told that story over and over again and then not being able to get pregnant, then told the story of shame. What did I do wrong? What caused this unworthiness? Like as if I had done something to cause that story to not come true. And so it's a different way of experiencing the shift in a story. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like we can have really positive experiences and still lead there. I mean, and a part of that piece for me too is like, you can do anything, you can be anything, you can be a doctor, you can be all these things. And now there's a part of me in my brain that says like, in order to be worthy, I have to have my PhD. Mm. And like, I mean, it is something that I really want. I mean, aside from the constant barrage of you need to be a doctor. I mean, their idea of doctors like medical doctor, you need to be a surgeon. Yep. And yeah, I can't do blood. I can't do dead bodies. (laughs) Nope. Can't do it. Well, and I was fortunate enough in these stories I was told, I like, I did want a family that did match with what I desired, but the journey to get there was extremely different 
than what I had been told. Right. And not even fathoming like what that would look like or what that meant to test this concept of, of worthiness since I wasn't able to fulfill things in a particular way. Yeah. And as some of you might know, Kevin and I do have a child, Leo. He's beautiful. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> He's funny. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. And so we are very fortunate in that. And I am grateful to have a family with them. Mm-hmm. And as we continue that journey, I still get to deal with my belief that I am unworthy. Yeah. That belief of not being good enough and how that plays into, I don't feel good enough and I feel like I'm constantly a failure. So mm-hmm. why do I even think or believe for one moment that my relationship's going to be okay or think or believe that my effort is going to make a difference? Or I'm not worthy enough to ask for what I need in my relationship or what I need to see. To feel that this is safe for me to start working on it. And Josh, I think you hit a significant word there. That word safe. Like that safety and security that we all seek. And how that plays into conceptually like whether we are worthy or not. Because if we haven't experienced that in our relationships, then I think it's very difficult for people to come to a space where they're not taking on other people's judgments, issues, or perceptions of them. And you saying that like right, right now in my mind, like I'm curious if the idea of unworthiness is a gift that we pass down like not always a gift you want, but I know. if it is that projection from the generation before absolutely, being laid out and we choose to either continue passing it down or we work on it. And I think that there's always going to be some aspect of worthiness that all of us are going to deal with. I mean, in school, kids are dicks. I mean, or at least they were to me. So, like, I think that there's that piece of unworthiness that comes from peers and that that piece that comes generationally through the family. Mm-hmm. And I think in my mind right now, just kind of like stream of consciousness thinking, is that how the family chooses to address that worthiness with their kid is how the kid will in turn deal with that worthiness issue with his peers or her peers sure, or their peers. So yeah, thought and process, I suppose. (laughs) Josh, I do like how you said that, like the passing down of that gift of unworthiness in order to consider in our current life, whether we choose to let it go or move through it or change it. And I think the opposite side of that is, If we don't let it go, we end up judging it or condemning it or believing that it is what we have to do in order to move on. Because a lot of times we don't know how to let things go if we are fearful of them or we don't even know what it would look like to feel worthy. Right. 
Because often the things that we fear most, we run away from. Sure. So we're never even given ourselves an opportunity to really address it because mm-hmm. I'm not even going there. I would venture to say that half, and that's generous, half of the decisions we make are based in not feeling worthy enough or and fear. Sure. I think I can vouch for that one. And it could be even the smallest of things that we don't even realize we're making decisions on, but it's making the decision based in fear. Yeah. Hence, like, making the decision because I am unworthy. Right. I mean, so I think a lot of the time we are constantly defining ourselves in relation to some loss. Hmm. We are constantly defining ourselves in relation to some loss. Whether it be actual loss or potential loss. Right. And in some way, some of the stories, the narratives, the beliefs that we have is whatever that loss is, we create stories in some way to feel closer to them. Say more. So in my mind right now, like I'm thinking of a, a loved one, for example, if a loved one passes, like we want to tell stories to ourselves so that we can remember them so their memory doesn't die because if we forget them then they're gone and so the stories we're telling ourselves those stories i just mentioned keep us seeking that connection of connectedness to something that's not there and that can be an emotion that can be a thought a feeling a belief stories help us foster a sense of connection to something or someone and whether that connection is in some way to ourselves to the idea of if I do this there's a risk that I am not willing to pay so seeking and in that we're justifying the connections that we currently have, the connection to ourselves, that that fear of not wanting to be hurt, because in that risk, there's that fear of the connections being severed in some way. So, like, our stories are there to kind of help foster the connections we have, and in some ways, the belief that if that connection is severed, then... Who am I? I mean, further Mm -hmm. impacting that story of worthiness. Got it. So it's kind of we're trapping ourselves in this unworthiness pattern by the stories that we're telling ourselves. And that kind of goes with how we talked about the narrowing connection versus a wide experience of connection. And I think that lays that out beautifully of how if we do narrow ourselves and are making decisions in fear, then it is a much smaller way of experiencing the connection and for whatever motivation like whether we don't want to experience the loss or we think we have to keep the connection a certain way or we want to control it because that's safer and for me what I really hear you talking about is this concept of stories are the attachments to things unseen for sure and sometimes unknown hmm So stories are the attachments to things unseen and sometimes unknown. Especially if it's generational. Right. 
And I think that is a newer concept within the last decade Mm -hmm. of how generational trauma or generational stories or the impact of things that we pass on then impact multiple generations forward. I mean, I think the past decade has shown us that we have the capacity or capability of managing and processing those things. Because I think prior to that, it was always generational curses that mm-hmm. you can't break these things. These, this is just something you have to deal with. And isn't that an interesting belief? Something that we have to deal with. As if I am supposed to pick up the pack of whatever has been left behind. And it's my responsibility to carry it on and make choices about it, foster it, carry it throughout my entire life. The legacy of what people have done before. Even if that means carrying grief and loss and beliefs, pain and shame and unworthiness. Yeah. I mean, really, that's what, I mean, that's the mindset we've all been in. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you mentioned and shared about yourself, I mean, you're carrying that generational curse idea. Right. Me too. <laughs> I mean, because that, that was my grandmother's story too. Huh. Her mom gave her up, tried to abort her sister. Like, she lived with an aunt who was abusive to her. Like, she's never felt wanted, never felt loved. Like, I mean, so she changed and shifted that for her own kids in some some capacity. But then it the cycle played out again in some ways with her daughter's. Or with my mom. Mm-hmm. And that's very common. Yep. They even have started doing research on the, like, the genetic piece of it. Of how those things unseen or unknown impact the behavior or the presentation. Or like the representation of those thoughts, emotions, beliefs. Really reactions. So how do we work with our story to experience worthiness or... How do we work with our stories so we begin to feel good enough or worthy enough? I think there's a lot of things that can be supportive to people. I think in community, like knowing that you are not alone within, like in your story, I think is a big deal. I think knowing that there are multiple stories, even within one story, can be helpful. And I also think that people have the ability to find that why and how they got there in order to make the choice of how they want to move forward because you are standing amidst things that are known and concrete and things that are unknown and unseen and so while that's an overarching answer like if we go more concretely there like there is a very simple way to begin and it's being open to this idea that you really are good enough Even all of these other experiences, all these other stories, whatever you have been through, you are still good enough. The idea of intrinsic worth. It is there regardless of what happens, has happened. I find that things that have helped me are like affirmations. So kind of what you're saying. And there are times when I will write with dry erase markers on my mirrors to 
remind me that every time I pass them, I have to say this thing or remind myself of my worthiness or my worth or whatever the case is. Honestly, like a lot of the work that I've had to do to feel worthy has been in therapy. Sure. Because I have felt for so long that some of the things that I have carried, I didn't have the tools to do and work on by myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very true for a lot of people, yeah. including myself. I mean, brain spotting is really helpful. So like allowing yourself to actually feel mm-hmm. your body and connecting to that feeling of unworthiness in your body yep. and allowing yourself to feel it instead of run from it or create another story and belief based on it. I would honestly say that's like probably my number one. Yeah. Like it's a game changer for processing things that are unseen. One of my favorites also is to write them down and throw them away, rip them up, burn them, burn them to have that externalization process of it no longer being in your head or your body. Right. I mean, doing more of the externalizing type of things. I mean, depending on how far you want to go with it, like you can use a backpack with rocks and write on all the rocks, all of the things that you feel weigh you down, and then you can take a walk with it. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of your walk, you begin like really allowing yourself to feel the weight of what it is that you're carrying. And then you go through, you read each one, release it, and then your walk back is lighter. Yeah. Literally, because you don't have the rocks in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really is like transforming from what is unseen into something that can be seen. Yeah. And experienced, collected, like experienced together, even if it's with yourself. I mean, that's why the idea of therapy is so helpful because you're in a shared space where you're working with someone instead of only internally. And it does make a difference for someone to be able to hold space for you and to not feel alone in that feeling. I also like the idea of expanding. So like when you write, like I am worth this. And instead of stopping there, extending that into I am worth this and even more. Because that even more portion helps shift the pathways in your brain to look at what could even be more possible than what you actually think. Because again, that unworthiness, it dampens it. It narrows it instead of expanding into what's possible. Yeah, because what we see as possible is only based on the amount of worthiness that we we have. Yep. I mean, and I think... I mean, my brain's going back to, ooh, that's the lack program. That's the, that's the, I want this thing because I'm really lacking. And if I have this thing, it makes me, Mm -hmm. makes me feel worthy. Yeah. So I would also venture to say, to question the things that you want, especially if you feel unworthy. And does that thing you want, desire, 
come from a place of, if I have this, I will feel happy. I will feel worthy. Because mm-hmm. if so, that's coming from a place of unworthiness. And being able to, in some way, connect to your core self and find what those things are that you really, truly want. Which I think can be done, like we've said, like through therapy, through meditation, through allowing yourself to truly feel it in your body. I mean, because when you're processing in your body like that, like it's subconscious. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up that you may not have expected. Right. And I think that can truly lead you into deeper parts of yourself, into that core area where you are able to start making those things that your core self wants more known. Mm -hmm. And I will add that when I see people go through this work, there is a hesitation to do it because there is a fear of what is on the other side or what that core looks like or, you know, what's going to happen to me. And the fear will tell you that to tell you not to do it. It'll tell you to like keep that narrow perspective because if you widen, then you're going to break. You're going to fall apart. You're going to lose your mind. And that's not true. Or it's the, who do you think you are? Sure. Are you better than everybody now? Right. You're a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Because somehow if you feel better or do better or be better or like whatever this if it really it's not even better it's just you being more authentic then somehow that betrays this code or curse of unworthiness so I would encourage people to consider that they can be more authentic instead of experiencing unworthiness and recognizing this as a process. This is a lifelong process. Like a lot of the things that I feel like we've talked about, like, right. I mean, not to say that there aren't, I don't want to say it like levels, but there are levels of this. Like you will feel a little better and then mm-hmm. you can see new possibility, new things. And from that space, you grow into another level of seeing more possibility and new things. And, I mean, so as you move through your feelings of unworthiness, you start beginning, you start being able to see a bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I go back to my personal story with the, the fertility piece, I mean, that started when I was a kid. And then it transitioned as I dated people, or as I met Kevin, or as I got married, or as we looked at starting a family, and then, like, it extended even from there. And I'm, a, like, I'm close to 40. She old? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm getting My there. life's half over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What do you think is the one thing you want people to hear from today? That they fully have the capability to put down those rocks or whatever stories that they've carried regarding their unworthiness. And even if it's just for a moment, 
to be able to experience their authentic self. And knowing that little by little, you can do it again and again. How about you? I think for me, the thing that I would like people to recognize is that the voice of unworthiness that we hear so often really is not us. If we are hearing that voice in our head telling us that we are not worthy, we are hearing that voice. I mean, not like we're like hearing things, but we are the observer. And it is up to us whether we choose to believe that or not. And sometimes what the observer needs is to have a voice to help balance it out. And that there is definitely more possible beyond what that voice will tell you. Josh, what's it telling you today? What is my unworthiness telling me today? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, in this moment, like, about the podcast, like, who do I think I am? Like, hmm. And what do you want to say back to it? I think I'm a therapist. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? My unworthiness would tell me to not speak of such things as I have today because I should not have a voice. I want to say that I will not take on that judgment and that I will speak. Word. Josh, I'm really appreciative of us sharing so vulnerably. Yeah. Because I think it helps our listeners know that they're not alone. Yep. So, and thank you all for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. Me too. And you can find us on our website at stillpointhealing.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at stillpointhealing. And you can email us at soyoucanheal at stillpointhealing.com with any of your questions, comments, topic ideas. And if In some ways, if you feel that you have a unique perspective and would like to share something, please reach out. Absolutely. And until next time. And until. Have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. Have a great day. (laughs) Bye. Bye.